I'm going to start off a little bit weird today, so forgive me. I, I don't like being this guy, but I will. I want to make sure that everybody's awake. Deal? We're in agreement. Okay. What month are we in? Right, right off the bat, everybody's asleep. We're in September. You're right, but in the Coptic calendar. Hmm. Tooth, 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 or tooth, right? And what is usually the theme of the month of tooth? Does anybody know? Hmm. Okay. The love of God the Father. Very good, Michael. The love of God the Father. The church is so powerful that it starts off its curriculum, as tooth is the first month of the year, it starts off with a simple concept. And the concept is what? The love of God the Father. And it basically tells us that if you don't understand this concept, you're not going to understand what the rest we can put it in, in a sense of like the syllabus, right? In a, in a college campus, the syllabus. Usually the first couple of lessons you don't want to what? Miss. You don't want to miss them. Why? Because if you miss those lessons, you're going to have a very hard time catching what? Catching up. So the church and its beautiful pastoral messages, it gives us the months of thut and it focuses, or tooth, right? It focuses directly on the love of the Father. And the first Sunday, we read from what? Luke 7, 28 through 35, where Christ eats with a tax collector. And through all these events, you'll notice that there's a simple theme. It focuses on an individual, okay? So we, we, in the first Sunday, we see the tax collector. In the second Sunday, we see what? We see the disciples coming back because they were just so in, in joy of being able to get demons out of people and to actually be in the service. And they're so joyful, and Christ in Luke 10, 21, 28 says the famous words, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. And usually the third Sunday, which is this Sunday, we read from Luke 9, 1 through 10, which is the story or the event of Zacchaeus. But we had an exception this year. We had an exception this year. And then next week, we'll read from Luke 7, 36 through 50, which is the washing of Christ's feet from the, uh, from the sinful woman who washed his, his feet with her hair and her tears. Okay? And notice that there's a person in every event, including this Sunday, which would have been Zacchaeus. But this Sunday, because the Feast of the Cross falls on a weekend, and the Feast of the Cross is three days, we read today from John 6, 35, 46. And the famous verse in John 6, 35 through 46 is what? I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Okay? And this is what I want our meditation on today, and to focus on this verse. And specifically in this verse is the words, He who comes to me. He who comes to me. Okay? Because those words are very key in understanding the love of God. Pope Shenouda III, blessed memory, says a very nice verse. He says, basically, we as mankind are dying to come to God. We want to come to God. And even more, God is dying to what? Hear our voice. He's dying to see us. He's dying, dying for you to come to him and to speak with him. Unfortunately, in our daily lives, we do what? We come we say a few words, 
We turn around and we what? And we leave. And Christ wants to give you so much more. He wants to give you so much more. So how can God give you so much more? If we look at Second Isdras, which is a book actually in the Septuagint, it's not in the book in your normal Gospels, and the authorship of this um, specific book is actually supposedly the prophet Ezra. And Ezra says something beautiful. He says, The Lord Almighty says, I have pleaded with you as a father pleads with his sons, as a mother pleads with her daughters, or as a nursemaid pleads with her children. I beg you, I beg you to be my people so that I could be your God, to be my children so I could be your father. God is, he is pleading with us. The word plead is, is stated so many times in this, in this chapter in second address in 128-29 are the verses I've read. The word plead is, is amazing. As, as some parents plead with their children on a daily basis, right? Out of love. Christ pleads with us out of love. And he wants us. He wants all his children in, the, in his house. He wants to give you more and more and more and more. But he who what? Comes. He who comes. So I'd like to talk about four very simple points and four very, very basic points, but I think it's good for us to always be reminded. Is basically, what can I do to receive God's love? And like I said, in the month of Tut, there's a lot of individuals, and we look at those individuals, we find characteristics in each one. But we'll, I kind of combined all the characteristics, and we'll talk about them. So it's four, four very, very simple points. The first person who wants to receive God's love, who wants to know God, is the person who is a seeker, who is a seeker, who always seeks God. St. John Chrysostom has something that's very nice. He says, and it's very fitting with the Feast of the Cross. He says, the power of the cross is not recognized by those who are perishing because they are out of their minds and act like madmen, complaining and rejecting the medicines which bring salvation. Wow. It goes in line with what St. Paul says in, in Corinthians 1.18. He says, what the message of the cross seems foolish to those who are lost and dying, but is God's power to us who are being saved. How many of us take the power of the cross seriously? How many of us stand in front of God seriously? How many of us are seeking God seriously? I know it's a silly question to ask everybody who's on church on a Sunday, but it's true. How many of us are out of just a routine mindset, a routine mindset, but are faithfully looking for Christ from the bottom of their hearts, right? He who knocks shall what? The door shall be opened, right? He who seeks shall find, shall find. So how many of us are truly seeking? Forgive me if I'm harsh in my words here, but a lot of us seek others for God, right? I was, I was talking with the fellowship group last week, and we were laughing. I said, how many people would allow me to look at their phone and look at their last Google searches? I bet you not a lot of people would. And what's even funnier is that, forgive me here, but Google has become our source or our way to get into God. So whenever we have a problem, we do what? We Google it. We Google it. Right? We, we, we are so focused on God. And even worse, Yanni, is throughout this generation and throughout this time and this current 
you know, life that we are living now is that technology has made it so accessible for us to, to see God, but sometimes we don't even use that technology in the right way, and we do what? We end up seeking the noise. We see the different noises. And sometimes we become lazy. We want an app that we can hit, and God comes out and tells me what to do throughout my daily life. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. But those who perish, you look at all the icons, you look at all the scenes of the Coptic Church, all those people were seekers to the last breath. To the last breath they were seeking God faithfully. And at the end of the day, they, they were what? Well done, faithful servant. Right? Well done, faithful servant. So how will we be seekers faithfully? Second point is simplicity. If you look at everyone who has the love of God inside them, is very what? Simple, like a child. Okay? In Psalm 116.6, it says, The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Albert Einstein, who is the smartest person, to, one of the smartest people to ever live, right? Says, says a very nice quote. He says, when the solution is simple, it is God answering. If we look at our daily lives, how much do we complicate God? We do. We complicate God. And God is, is very simple and faithful to us in that he wants us to come to him. And he wants us to, to give us everything we're asking for. And with all simplicity. With all simplicity. He's not playing a game with us. He's not trying to trick us. He's not trying to, uh, you know... Unfortunately, I, I heard a sermon where somebody was saying... Not a Catholic sermon, an outside sermon. And somebody was saying that basically, if you don't come to church, that God will what? Will punish you. And it's that God is pointing his finger at you. No, this is... God is... He loves you. He wants you. He's very simple. And the people who find the love of God are just as simple. Let us not complicate things, but rather bring ourselves low. Not, not in a bad way, which leads me to my next point. Low, being low is not a bad thing. The third, the third characteristic is weakness. And it's very weird, right, for someone to tell you to be weak. That's a, it, it's against everything that goes in reality. But no, those who are weak are those who win. The disciples are, were, not, were not the strongest, most knowledgeable people. They weren't theologians. They weren't the, the, the most well-versed. They weren't the greatest. They were simple fishermen, right? At the same time, Zacchaeus, if we would have read the readings from Zacchaeus today, Zacchaeus himself was of short, short stature, right? He was a short guy. And a lot of the, the church fathers will, will correlate that shortness or the, the, the small stature as shortness of faith. That he was a weak person. In Second Corinthians, Paul says what? But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And St. John Chrysostom talking about Paul in this verse, says what? He says, he, Paul, meaning Paul, did not heed exemption from danger and fear as well, or complete freedom to preach without any form of hindrance. Indeed, when these troubles come, God's power of deliverance is shown, 
and the gospel triumphs in, in spite of persecution, the more the trials increase, the more grace increased as well. Like I said earlier, when, you, when we are seekers, in this world, unfortunately, we want ease. ease. We, are, you know, we are the generations of make things simple for us. Everything is what right here. I, I can tell you my, my entire life is in this phone. You can, you can f- figure out everything. It's in this phone. So we want ease. Like we want simplicity. We, not, we want accessibility. We want all, everything at my fingertips. Right? And when there's just a little bit of trial that comes our way, because of our weakness, uh, Abunas Hat used to, used to tell me, basically into ayal fofi <laughs> right like you guys are, are weak kids because you're not we're not strong we're not strong we're instilled in God and faith and are ready to take on the trials that will come our way we run away as soon as things come through but if we hold on like St. John Chrysostom he says what the more the trial increased the more what Grace, the more grace increased as well. Those who love God are ready to be soldiers in the army of God. And not soldiers in the essence of we're going to war and, you know, let's carry up weapons. No. But soldiers in that I am ready for the tribulations that are to come my way from the devil trying to pull me away from God and for me to be super strong and to be like St. Paul, and saying what? My grace is insufficient for you, but my power is made perfect in weakness. God will hold us up. Imagine, humor me, but imagine if God is sitting right next to you right now. If God is sitting next to you, I like the, uh, Uncle George Mitri said this once and I liked it. He said, what if, humor me, what if? What if God is sitting right next to us? What if, the body and blood of Christ that you're about to partake, that it is the body and blood of Christ. Right? That we're not just taking a lefefa and we're going up to it and taking it and feel good and great and walk outside for the rest of the week and do whatever we want. But rather that we are standing in front of God and we took, partook God and we know that He is inside of us. That He is with me. He is by my side the entire week till I come back here next week. The last characteristics, which is... Uh, a gimme, and that's the characteristic of humbleness. In the psalm of today, it says what? I will exalt you, O my God and King, and I will bless your name forever. Pope Shenouda III also says what? He says, happy is he who lives a disciple all their life, who learns more than he teaches others, who increases daily in knowledge and learning, and who has the humility with which to accept being taught by everyone and everything. Those who seek the love of God must have a heart of discipleship. We are not know-it-alls. We are not know-it-alls. We actually know very little. We actually know very little. And God, in his great power, he loves us so much that he wants to give us everything. You know, I didn't learn this until I became a parent, to be honest, in that my daughter will want to touch everything and put everything in her mouth that is in hand's reach, right? And me as a father, obviously there are things that I don't want her to what? 
to, to put, right? Some things can make her choke. She can, God forbid, something bad could happen. However, right, as a father, I intervene. And as a father, I always want her to be what? Safe. I want her to be happy. Same mentality with God. She thinks what she's doing is okay, just like how we are. Sometimes we think that we, what we're doing is, is right. And unfortunately, sometimes we battle with God. God sometimes might close doors or might push us to a certain extent in, in ways. And because of our hard-headedness, we always know this is, the, this is the way, this is what I want. And obviously with the power of free will, God loves you. But let us not come back and blame God for our mistakes. But rather, let, let's have a heart of discipleship. Let's humble ourselves before the Lord, right? I'll end with a very simple article that was, that was very nice. And just to change our minds. Because I, I feel like, to end this, is that a lot of people will say, okay, I pray for all these things. I pray for all these things and I still don't see God. But we need to, we need to dig a little bit deeper. And in the power of prayer, a man said this said, I asked God to take away my habit. God said, no, it is not for me to take away, but for you to give it up. I asked God to make my handicapped child whole. God said, no, his spirit is whole. His body is only temporary. I asked God to grant me patience. God said, no, patience is a byproduct of tribulations. It isn't granted. It is learned. I asked God to give me happiness. God said, no, I give you blessings. Happiness is up to you. I asked God to spare me pain. God said, no, suffering draws you apart from worldly cares and brings you closer to me. I asked God to make my spirit grow. God said, no, you must grow on your own, but I will prune you to make you fruitful. I asked God for all things that I might enjoy life. God said, no, I will give you life so that you may enjoy all things. I asked God to help me love others as much as he loves me. God, sa- God said, ah, finally, you have the right idea. I hope that we have the right idea when we pray to God. That we're not just asking things for our, us, but we also ask for others. And we love others as much as God loves us. And that through that love, we will learn how to seek him how to be in simplicity with him, how to weaken ourselves towards him, and how to always humble ourselves with him, and glory be to God forever. Amen.